Hello, audience, and welcome to Good Movie Podcast. It's yes. me, Jonathan Kwiatkowski, and all I gotta say is, let's go on with the show! And for once, I would agree. Yeah. yeah. Joined, as always, by my effervescent co-host. Uh, Dan Ryan, uh, mm. ready to peel away the glitz and glamour of, I don't know, playing Sonic games? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. basically the same thing. But, Dan, what did we watch? Uh, we watched, this is your, uh, you know, you're providing this to Good Movie Podcast. Yes. You brought uh, all that jazz uh, from 1979, mm-hmm. I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was not expecting this. Yes. As I said, yeah. every time I enter this house, even if it's an anime You're worried episode, it's going to be Moulin Rouge. I am. A, but not, but no, 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 not yet. I see it in my sleep. I see it in my soup. I no, see it around every no, corner, no, no, but it's I'm not gonna, there. I'm going to so. get you when you're least expecting you with uh, Moulin Rouge. But, uh, yeah. you know, why this movie, sir? Why uh, all that jazz? Oh, my God. You're going you're gonna to get me in tears <laughs> first right, moment in. Right. Um, I don't know. I'm a very theatrical person, and I feel like this movie connects with me because it's about a man living his theatrical life mm-hmm. and, like, perceiving him dying. And it, it's just a whole lot of shit, Dan. It is. And it's just filmed theatrically. There's a lot of stage business going on during life events, and that's what I love about theater is when we overham that production – um, we up the dancers, we up the singers mm-hmm. for like a life event. I, I just love that. That's a trope that really sticks with me, along with a lot of tropes that are in this movie. Of course. Which I'm sure we're going to discuss. But uh, Dan, first time watching all that jazz, initial thoughts on it. How did you enjoy it? How did you l- like it? Hate it? I don't know. I thought um, I did not know what to expect going into it, considering this was 1979. <laughs> but there was some like brilliant technical stuff and mm-hmm. editing and yeah i just fading in and out between the musicals and reality and stuff yeah um and one thing and this is only something that kind of occurred to me once we kind of reached the end but i liked how consistently claustrophobic it kept some things yeah. Yeah. we were only ever in the studio where they were rehears- like rehearsing the uh you know the pan am airways musical yeah, yeah money plane the musical mm-hmm. uh you know some adjacent studios and, and dance then a halls, hospital room a hospital room yeah. his apartment uh but we're never like it, it, it's not about like the big city we're not we're always in one it's of these even spaces. like the back sets of like his his dying phase too like yeah like how he perceives death like uh, i enjoy that too it, it, it does yeah. feel that way and it makes sense for him because he's literally not exp- he's choosing to not experience anything mm-hmm. besides oh and of course the smoky editing room yes well everything's i, I mean everything's filled with cigarette smoke but the yeah. the editing room is another constant, and for good like, reason prison too. for him yeah. yeah um but did you enjoy it I definitely did. All right. I'm glad. I'm glad. Good movie. Yes. Meant to, meant to enjoy among the cast and crew here. No, without a doubt. And anime was not a mistake. But uh, let's get into some background information mm-hmm. before going through the plot and recapping it with some trivia. So All That Jazz is a 1979 American musical drama filmed uh, by Bob Fosse, mm-hmm. who is a legendary Broadway choreographer. I'm sure you've heard that name at least before, Dan. From you, probably. Oh, yeah. Well, like, you know, Chicago, Chorus yeah. Line, The Works, you yeah. know. He's done it you, all. Yeah. Um, the screenplay by Robert Allen Arthur and Fosse is a semi-autobiographical fantasy based on the aspects of Fosse's own life as he was filming it and recording it. And mm-hmm. the thing is, like, he basically predicted the way he was going to die. 
Okay, and that's... Yeah, it's extremely heavy. Like, the artist knowing the art form and then predicting their own death. Which I had no idea about. And the way that you were talking about it throughout the movie, I thought, oh, this was... Like, I did not see... Be, you know, because I was looking down Mm -hmm. at the notes or whatever. um, I didn't know that he made this. Yeah. Uh, So I thought when you were saying all that stuff, it was the fact that... He had died very recently, and this was a very no, immediate, like, he, he died biography. long ago, but it was yeah. essentially his life. Um, oh, no, no, no. I mean, yeah. in, in relation to the film. Oh, like, yeah. he had passed away in the 70s, mm-hmm. and then this was filmed, like, shortly after as, like, a... No, bi- it, like, it was okay, during, but it was yeah. pre-his death. Okay. But Which is... It, I, it's kind of, like, funny that that happened that way. No, that's... that's I... I mean, unique is probably not strong enough of a word, but mm-hmm. that's that is something else. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Fosse, famous career as a dancer, choreographer, and director. Uh, the film was inspired by Fosse's uh, manic effort to edit his own film Lenny while simultaneously staging the 1975 Broadway musical you may know, Chicago. Right. You know, when you're good to mama, mama's good to you. Yeah. <laughs> and that makes a lot of the musical beats make sense because mm-hmm. some of them, like. You can hear, yeah. It starts to go line, that yeah. direction. Yeah, so yeah, it's like, oh, oh I, I recognize a musical musical theme when I hear one. Yeah, sort my of. job is half completed. Uh, it borrows its title from the Kendrick Ebb tune, "All That Jazz," in the same production of Chicago. Um, the film won the Palme d'Or at the 1980 Cannes Film Festival, tied with Kagamusha. Uh, which might be a future watch on this podcast because I do enjoy that movie as well. Um, At the 52nd Academy Awards, it was nominated for nine Oscars, winning four, including Best Original Score, Best Art Direction, Best Costume Design, and Best Film Editing. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you agree with those, um, just standing out like from an initial perspective, but do you think it it deserved that based on what we watched? I I definitely do. I I I think the editing really stands out in this film too. Yeah, ironically, considering how much editing is harped on in the movie itself. I yeah. would say the editing and the costume design was was pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. And just the I the, the sheer talent of the as someone who cannot and dance, can, will not and partake in yeah. dance. Yeah. Oh, well, I, you've never seen an interpretive dance, have it, you? It, like I was just like mesmerized the entire time by the shit those you kids saw all were those doing. Broadway <laughs> lean bodies and you're like, damn, cigarettes can do that to you? Like on ladders, on Yeah, yeah maybe you really want to get a pack of Newports. Well, listen, and- Dan, as a theater <laughs> person, I've lost my my course in life, but <laughs> once in the day, I've trod the boards or two. I've danced up a ladder. But no, <laughs> it was just it, I, No, that those aspects of it were mm. without a doubt. Okay. Amazing. So in 2001, all that jazz was deemed culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant mm-hmm. by the Library of Congress and selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry, which is always a big reward mm-hmm. honor for these films. And then it's the first VHS with stereo sound. It would need it. Yeah, yeah that, I guess. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. it a would. Fun little fact. Well, it would probably add to the experience of taking that home for the first time. Yeah. That was. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I'm going to pose many questions as I do during our good movie mm-hmm. podcast. So keep your mind ready mm-hmm. and willing to answer, and we'll take pause if you need to think about that. But um, let's get into the plot of this film, shall we? Of course. All right. So we begin with it's showtime, folks, and initially, this is just our uh, our Gideon character going through his life. Trying to prepare his role in society, mm-hmm. uh, getting ready, taking his eye drops, taking his drugs, taking his shower, and listening to Vivaldi on repeat. And very much not 
glamour like he is like his eyes are reddened presumably from yeah. not sleeping or from you know overstressing or overreading or something just straining his eyes it's so his drugs. eyes are it's the drugs death uh, the drugs <laughs> it's the drugs and the cigarettes i think so his eyes are like bloodshot and we see you know up close him putting the visine into his eyes mm-hmm. he's taken you know i think yeah. he's taken dexatrine yeah yeah um and exactly is his very unglamorous morning routine like getting his nose hairs out and that's me like getting that. up every morning at four to work at the window factory it's showtime folks yeah, with the same o- like musical the salesman's face, overtone yeah. in the background yeah. yeah um i have to ask dan what's your morning routine um well more often than not it's probably an afternoon routine uh-huh. uh but uh, usually i uh, i get going i tend to the pup first and foremost yeah uh he usually you know is the uh the, Motiva- your the motivator to start my yeah. day he barks you awake you know he barks me awake and Says you think you're gonna die <laughs> <laughs> then, you w- then you wake up you're like oh bandit why i, I check <laughs> i check the social feeds well he wakes me up i check the social feeds then i head downstairs with him yeah. and then we uh we do start you, the day do you eat breakfast uh yeah sometimes you don't take any pills or anything well, no, I want to know everything, Dan. Not like this guy is doing, Well, no. what do you take in the morning? I want to know. Uh, well, I take some stuff for anti-anxiety. All right. Yeah. Yeah, we all have anxiety. That's good. I should take that shit, but, you know. Yeah, well, it... it I got alcohol from the night before. Don't worry, I'm gonna, Marvels. I'm gonna share my morning routine. Done Marvels, yeah. Every morning since I was, like, 12, I've woken up at 4, Dan. Yes. No matter what... No matter what, I could be drunk, I could be hammered, I'll wake up at 4. Mm-hmm. And I don't know... What that says about me. It really affects me, so. Some days I'll take, like, a multivitamin in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, lately, I've been a night shower, not a day shower. For, like, the first 20 years of my life, I was a day shower. Mm-hmm. Uh, as soon as I woke up, but now I'll shower the night before. And then go to work, because I don't care about my appearance. I guess that's what that says I've, about me. I've always been a stringent night shower. I will, I, I will die on that hill, but... I yeah, don't know, because I, I look like shit the entire day, but I wear a hat over my rem- remnants of hair. We're gonna get serious on this podcast, but... Yeah, we'll get serious, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's my morning routine. I wish I would have taken more vitamins. I wish I had a better wake-up routine. But if you need me awake at four, I should have been on the farm. That's me. Well, I mean... Yeah, you know, duality as far as that goes. Yeah. I, I <laughs> you're a late waker. <laughs> my well, no, but ironically, my mornings tend to be like foggy because I am very much a night person. I'm, I am my not most active yeah. from like 11 p.m. to I don't know. It's it's when everything feels the most quiet. Mm. I think so. That would be if I was going to get a montage in a movie opening, it would probably be that part mm. and not waking up. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's yeah. ordering a meg, egg McMuffin, not you know. I think I think my dramatic movie opening would be in the night. <laughs> Banda going yip yip. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, interesting enough, uh, playing the role of Joe Gideon um, initially was supposed to go to Richard Dreyfus, another Jaws famous person. I could see it, but he said he didn't feel the plot of this movie at all, and he could not sing or dance. Mm, I, mm. I I feel like Roy Scheider is. Like, I, think, I, don't, I don't think... I think he did a good job. He, no, yeah. he does do a great job, but I don't think we're supposed to think that he is, you know, routinely sings or anything like that. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's one of the things I it's liked not, about the it's final... It's a musical that's not a musical. Yeah. It's like, it shoves it in at the end. 
Like, it's a musical. Yes, but there's, like, stuff with him and his daughter where it's, like, it's Mm -hmm. clearly, like, a regular person trying to do a musical number, which fits for what's going on in that part, so. Um, Interesting enough, uh, Fosse said he also wanted to direct and act in this in the starring role at some point, Mm -hmm. but then gave up on that and just settled on directing before deciding on Roy Schneider. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. That would have been a lot on his plate so uh so we get some repetition in the craft of life and perfection how you repeat the morning routine every day Mm -hmm. and you go through that that's very meisner it's very theatrical in that like you do the same things every day i know in my acting classes like one of our things when we were learning the meisner technique uh (laughs) we had to like recreate our morning routine we had Mm -hmm. to like wake up we had to shave we had to do whatever we're doing in the morning but doing naturally and not as if we're acting. Oh, so that yeah. explains this then. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Like, is that's that like exactly a, a theatrical thing? Yeah. Is that is that like a little nod to that then? It, or I or mean, is I that... feel it could very well okay. could be Dan. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You've never studied theater, I see. I've never studied theater. Interesting. <laughs> hmm. Um, but then we get uh, starting with his drugs. Like he takes his drugs to wake up, and then we get. This weird warp, which is something that you're going to see in every one of my good movie picks. It's mm-hmm. like this weird warp between between theatricality and the real world. Mm-hmm. Like, they're doing something weird, strange, something that's out of this world at the same time that they're trying to tell their story. So we see, like, him walking a tightrope and talking mm-hmm. to, like, this unnamed woman figure in yeah. the opening thing. And she's like, you're going to fall from there. <laughs> in a southern accent that I know very well. <laughs> but, but then he just says something dramatic, like, oh, it's life on a wire, wouldn't yeah. have any other way. And I'll say, this is yeah. very Fellini, hint, hint. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's coming soon, but this is definitely a Fellini hero walking a tightrope and then falling into the net. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, Joe, what did you do there? Yeah. You misstepped. Um, a performer, and Joe is talking to the Angel of Death, or as she's known in the film, Angelique. Yeah. Jessica Lang. <laughs> young Jessica Lang, young, beautiful Jessica Lang. As a ghost. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's based on Fosse's ex, this character. Okay. Yeah. And that's the entire time I was watching the movie, like, and I was trying to cue myself into, like, the little lines and stuff. Mm -hmm. I, honest to God, thought that Jessica Lange was going to end up being, like, Dorothy, the the TV star that he forgot about. Yeah, someone, like, at the end, yeah. Yeah, like, like the, like, oh, it's... or something, yeah. It's weird that, that. that, like... You know, it ended up being that the woman that he yeah. forgot the most was the was like the angel, but yeah. it's just Jessica Lang. It's just yeah. she's just there, and so. not to speak for Jessica Lang, but she like got this part and she's like, "What the fuck am I reading here?" Mm-hmm. Like, I, and she was a last minute addition to the film. Okay, like, like they weren't gonna originally gonna do in this direction. Like, he's not gonna be talking to anyone during the film. But I do love this trope of talking to the angel of death yeah i i like it like when it shows up in in theater it's like in the the seventh seal like you're talking to death whatever yeah i enjoy it and it's something that we're gonna watch recently with mike flanagan that we'll get to eventually but i do like it i liked how it was done here because while he's talking to the angel of death it's a very like technical like casual like oh yeah fuck this yeah yeah i ruined my marriage here here and here and then it's a very dan jonathan conversation it's like me in the veil and the clubs like oh damn what did you do then like i edited this thing five times doesn't fucking matter and he's got more cigarettes and then it's everything's like going on as a stage production behind the two of them so yeah um, so then we get a look into Joe Gideon's real life with the Broadway community, um, especially the dancers. Uh, normality mixed with the need for perfe- perfection, drugs, and sex. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Broadway's not initially what Dan Ryan might think. With, it's like, not. Prestige, like, singing an audition. No. I'm a naive uh, country boy. No. So. <laughs> There's, like, a huge cattle call for this new show that Joe's doing, and mm-hmm. he's, like, the choreographer, so he has to pick each one and give it to the producers. Mm-hmm. And it's a very ruthless business, Dan. Like, and it's over-dominated by sex, mm-hmm. who he fucked previously. Yeah. So, well, and in this case, the one who stands out sexually the mo- at that specific rehearsal. Yeah. Because he, he knew... He, Jennifer, Jessica, what's her name? I don't uh, know. Well, it, well it's like little. I think one of the, the, the first time she's described, it's literally one of the producers like, oh yeah, hot pink leotard yeah. lady. That's all yeah. they know you by. It's yeah. just that they all have the same body, different faces, and Joe just wants to have some sex. And meanwhile, his wife and daughter are in the audience giving yes. like... Cat calls to them, like, oh, this is ridiculous. What are they even trying to do here? Mm-hmm. And that's, like, the Broadway community. It's toxic at its it, at its core, but the show must go on. Mm-hmm. You gotta perfect yourself in order to get there. Um, it's very Chorus Line, which is an iconic Broadway musical. And we get finding fame out of the masses and being a triple threat. It's like, I don't sing, I don't dance. Mm-hmm. I may have to lie on my resume, a la Showgirls. Yeah. If we, which we watched previously, but uh, no, of course. Well, and then the one who had worked on a like yeah. a musical with him before, yeah. but like, you know, he kind of remembered her, and then yeah. she remembered him. Obviously, she's like, I but... fucked him, and he still wouldn't put me on a show. Yeah, and so... he even jokes about that openly. So mm-hmm. uh, the vagueness of life between death and theater. We get like this whole Angelique and Joe having a conversation throughout the entire film. Mm-hmm. Like, why did you do that, Joe? Like, it'd be fun to date you. I don't really know why you're doing that. Mm-hmm. Etc. A, a trope that I love. Well, and then we know from the get-go, like, he says to the angel, like, oh, yeah, I, I fucked that marriage up. Unbelie- yeah. Like, irreversible. Yeah. And I'm so. fucking up as a father, too. Yeah. Like, I don't know how to raise my child mm-hmm. that I've had. Um, so Joe is editing editing his film much like uh, Fosse was during, doing at that time. Um this was originally supposed to be, like, he he has, like, this whole scene of a, a comedian sharing his set with an audience mm-hmm. that he's, like, meticulously editing throughout the whole thing. It's supposed to be Dustin Hoffman in Fosse's own film, Lenny, mm-hmm. which I think was a flop, but Dustin Hoffman was in it and, like, had the same attitude. It's interesting to me that they couldn't get Dustin Hoffman to play the same role here. Uh, maybe it just would have been too on the nose, but... It, yeah. It, the thing with this comedian footage... Is I'm assuming it's supposed to be like a fictional movie about a fictional comedian, yeah. and then well, we're it's just obviously seeing... drug, sex, CD New York. It, but I think later on, it feels on, like Taxi Driver esque to me. When Jonathan Balloon Critic Lady is oh, criticizing we'll get, it, we'll get to her prime point of this film. She says like, "Oh, the dramatic monologue was off, or this yeah. and that." So I'm well, assuming she says he gives a good performance, but yeah. So it's like I... it's Foss. It, it, not Fosse. It's Gideon's fault. Yeah, so in my in my mind, it's like a king of comedy type movie or yeah, something. Exactly, yeah. and as Scorsese's granddaughter taught us, the king of comedy was slept on. Yeah, yeah, still, yeah. still, still mad about that. Interesting. Yeah, um, but we get the meticulous effort of Joe watching a monologue like a hundred different times mm-hmm. and saying like, "No, we need this shot here, that here." And Dan, I know you and I can both agree. Have you ever meticulously worked on something before in your life? That need to be perfect. So do you understand this feeling? Um. <laughs> As a fellow OCDer. I, I don't want to sound full of shit, but generally no, every speak. any piece of artwork that I put up. And I enjoy them all. Like, they're all great to me. I, I generally try to do that 
when I posted them, Boron and Bismuth for our, oh, for our side project. You're gonna bring them up here? Ha- Interesting. They had been four months in the making, and I'm still not entirely satisfied with how they ended up yeah. looking. And then there was one that I'm working on now for a D&D thing that I've been working on for about six months. Yeah. Uh, and I have scrapped it and restarted it well, several times. how about times. me and my it's play, like, Prudence and Jest, that I've Prudence been working and on. You know, I yeah. tried my best. I thought it was great. Second prize, not first mm-hmm. prize, but... It's on my computer. I'm waiting for it. We all experience this feeling is what I just want to say. Yeah, We've all been an artist at some point yeah, yeah. in our lives. Yeah. And we wouldn't have it any other way, yeah. I don't think. Yeah. Um, so rewatching the monologue. Uh, Joe's girlfriend, Caddy um, Jaeger. I think it's um, it's the Attack on Titan last name. Jaeger. Jaeger. Yeah. Jaeger. <laughs> uh, and Ranking, who is a legend mm-hmm. in the Broadway community, especially in Fosse's musicals. Uh, dancer, choreographer, Chicago Sweet Charity, and more. Uh, partnered with Fosse in shows in life, 1972 to 1978. And we just lost her in 2020. Okay. But nonetheless, she is an iconic Broadway person. And mm-hmm. seeing her here and like, I think this is her film debut. She does a great job. As she like does. the girlfriend, like she, does. she stands out. She has a unique look about her. She has a wonderful voice. She she's just a great actress mm-hmm. all around. So it's a good, oh my god, transition. From, oh, my oh, god. oh my god, I got a pause, and I'm back. I rescrewed on, but you know she does a great job in the film. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy about that going on in that. Um, so we get uh, uh, partnering with Fosse in that. Uh, who asked you, Stacy? Uh, you suppose Stanley Kubrick ever gets depressed, so, like, while he's editing and stuff, he's mm. wondering if, like, other great directors experience the same thing that he does. Yeah, and, and almost certainly they do, and then I think, you know, throughout the film, it's kind of then emphasized that he does this with every single project he's involved in, like, everything is the end of the world, it's going to be the worst thing ever, and then he puts it out to generally acclaim yeah i think yeah um so overworked and fucking the chorus girls giving us jessica jennifer whatever her name is Mm -hmm. like the pink leotard girl he takes her home Mm -hmm. and he woos her and it's a different time dan it's a time where you could put on a record you could open your door have a lovely glass of whatever and someone coming she enters the doorway and silhouette sex yeah and and uh but she it, it really when you start the film, it feels like she's going to be a bigger deal, but I like how she's it kind of yet. settled with, like, um, Anne, Anne Rankin's character and the wife. Mm-hmm. I adore the wife. Yeah. Quite frankly. She's probably my favorite performance in this movie. Interesting. Is, is that wife slash I think she's also a very Broadway actress. Let me go back. I think it just shows up later, but I think she was also very famous for, for stuff on Broadway. It's just that they had these theater actors mm-hmm. um, doing these film roles. Uh, at the time but uh yeah you know roy schneider takes her to bed mm-hmm. and then eventually we see like kate ranking comes up there and is like oh and ranking is like oh yeah what she, have you done there? she has a key to his apartment she lets herself in obviously but he's finoodling with the the chorus girl yeah and, and we get this blend of masculinity and femininity between yeah. roy schneider it's like oh he can go both ways you know whatever like, he's very comforting and caring at times, but then, like, very machismo in, like, the fucking. No, of, of course. And yeah. and it's not, like, and, and notably, too, this isn't, like, a blowout for the relationship. Like, uh, Anne Rankin's character is kind of like, well, 
I'm yeah. gonna leave now. Yeah. And then Joe drags like, her dog down the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> her little Pomeranian. And Joe's like, whoops, I fucked up. But then they quickly just start communicating again. They're like, okay, you know, are you going to be only doing things like that? Or mm. can, you know, I rely on you to, you know, be with me, love me. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of like the both of them come to an agreement that, you know, the world they're in allows finoodling but they have to be loyal to each other mm. ultimately mm. so i some it's like a gray area for yeah. those two but they they opt to stay together yeah so then we see joe's like visions of death and we get his mother in his own visions like oh joey he worked at that old sex club but yeah he, he, he was never a good did boy wrong. he was a good boy mm-hmm. and i was like oh caucasian mom at her best. She's stirring the pot. Uh, we get jo- She's literally <laughs> stirring the pot. Uh, Joe's past working experience at a burlesque club as a kid. Uh, something started there. He gets very early exposure to sex. Uh, he's yeah. claiming that he's, like, overage when he's underage. All yeah. the uh, the sex workers are like, hey, come up and see me sometime. Maybe we can have go on a date some someday. He, he's, based on the context, he's, like, clearly still in high school because he's lying about his textbooks and stuff. Yeah. And then he, but his whole thing is that he would come on at, like, and do a soft shoot. Three in the morning, yeah. I think it was, yeah. or, like, four in the morning and do a little, you know, Harry Styles weird uh, Don't Worry Darling dance. Yeah. Um, but... On this night that he remembers as his life is presumably flashing before his eyes, uh, some of the, you know, strippers get him get him going. Yeah. And he, he's got a stain on his pants, and everyone Pinocchio, laughs at Pinocchio, your nose is gonna grow! And everyone laughs at the cum on his pants, and... The, the, the businessmen from all over the world you know? laugh at him, yeah. who were there at four in the morning. That was a crowning <laughs> moment for him, like, yeah. he, like a, a foundational moment for... Young Bob Fosse, Roy Schneider, yeah. Joe Gideon, whatever. But it's there. Um, and then do what's best for you. Um, so at that point, uh, he wakes up from this dream, whatever. And Katie asks him, like, do you believe in love? Mm-hmm. Like, is this a loving relationship? Whatever. Of course, Joe shrugs her off at that moment. And then Katie's like, you know, I'm going on tour for six months. Mm-hmm. I've been offered a role. And Joe is like, do whatever. She starts crying um he's like do you not consider me generous and she's like yeah i consider you generous you give me everything i want i wish you were less generous with your cock yeah which I, which is it which is a great line iconic film line and, and gideon like, agrees that's, that's great but I then use that in something he like offers a concession like i you know don't make me say it but i will ask you to stay please don't yeah. go on yeah. this tour and she like calls up like a, a chorus boy prior mm-hmm. and is like hey you want to have dinner at 11 mm-hmm. he's like oh are you straight or gay like is he straight or gay? Yeah. And she's like, he's straight, I guess. Yeah, and that gets that gets discussed later on, too, with his actor friend. Yeah. So. Um, Joe is trying to mount a new musical, NY to LA, and Dan Ryan, <laughs> feel free to discuss this well, musical. What do you think, as a non-musical verse person? Well, I don't know, uh, I don't know what it had to do with planes. <laughs> uh, they were taken off, that's for was, sure. It was very confusing, it was very sensual, and as far as we know... From the snippets we get of the plot, from the, like, table reading that happens later on, uh, it is about a a woman who is moving from New York to to L.A., LA. starting a new life. And that's what, on the sexy plane. (laughs) She gets on the sexy plane, the stewardesses and flight attendants and and the pilots, all, like, the entire flight crew sing some stuff about sex they they transition into a nude dance number or a mostly nude dance number and then presumably the flight goes on (laughs) the plane lands and she ends up in la uh 
to to live i think happily yeah um but you know it it, it kind of like like what what were those scenes supposed to represent were they just i i mean that's a very fossey production is with sex done pastorally the, the sexual tension of being on a plane i don't i think it's just broadway during the 70s 80s is man that... it's like it, things gotta be sexy otherwise they're not gonna sell and fossey was a little bit more ahead of people mm-hmm. but then it obviously wouldn't broach the children market of taking your kid to a show yeah or the family things so like people sinatra were upset over that yeah, i think yeah, they sin- say uh, sinatra does cover a lot of like p G Broadway songs during this time period. Yeah. Um, but I like a good sexy show. I like a good but I feel like the plot would take me out. I need something that I can think about, and I feel yeah. like this flight from New York to LA is just too sexy for me. I don't my, know if it would work. My guess, being a theater novice, and I mean mm. this this is something that you would have to fine-tune as the as the director who's like <laughs> losing your fucking mind. Yeah. Um, but young lady is on a plane. And then, you know, symbolically, the dance numbers and everything else are her fantasies. Yeah. It, on this... Her on sexual this fantasies that she dreams. Four-hour yeah. flight, eight-hour yeah. flight. Please I come. don't know how long. Yeah, to, to From New York to L.A. Eight hours, Dan. How long do you think it's going to take? Maybe, I don't know. Maybe four, six. Maybe six. Six hours. Yeah, me in the middle. But then, you know, and then, and then she, she daydreams, and then there's fantasies where, in which the flight crew, pilots included... Yeah. Uh, are horny? I guess. Yeah. Well, we'll and then get... and then that helps her resolve her own personal yeah, demons or yeah. sense of longing or yeah. something, so that when she lands in L.A., it can be a completely fresh start. So. We'll get there. But we see uh, Fosse's <laughs> famous boots as Schneider is choreographing. Mm-hmm. Um, he always wore these boots mm-hmm. tucked into his jeans or his pants or whatever mm-hmm. everywhere he went, and that's the outfit he's in for the entire film. Uh, the higher ups say they're going way over budget and time. Just like the film and Cabaret, which Fosse directed, mm-hmm. um, the film version of that, and, you know, it's better for it. Uh, there's endless rehearsals. Joe is rehearsing with his daughter, and we get this iconic scene, mm-hmm. like, where he's, like, picking her up, taking her through the moves. That there's, like, they're discussing his love life. And yeah. being a daughter involved in theater, she's more worldly, she's more experienced. Like, she's seen more things than maybe a little girl has to see at this point definitely yeah but their their relationship is like probably the the closest like something oh yeah i think like sweet in this movie mm-hmm. is like and i think clearly... roy schneider was terrified of this because he was he built himself as like a direct sorry an actor a singer and a dancer but not at the same time mm-hmm. and this was like the first film he he filmed a uh, first mm-hmm. scene he filmed mm-hmm. in the film and so he was, like, extremely worried to do this, but I think it does come across great if you watch, like, Fosse Verdon, like, this is, like, the main scene between them. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's an iconic scene in the film and in there in the series as well. But okay. I think yeah. it's done very well here. Yeah. Uh, with the, the father-daughter connection here. Um, just casual conversation about your father's love life going on here. Um, and she hopes that he'll get married again and, like, settle down. Yeah. And not do all this Broadway shit anymore and stop smoking five packs a day. Yeah, yeah, just probably, you know, living a more normal life, she would hope for him at some point. Yeah, so at that point, then uh, Gideon is taking the stress out of the dancers, mainly Veronica or whatever this new girl's name is. Yeah, Pink Leotard, yeah. yeah pink Leotard girl. Um, And then, like, he gets a checkup and the doctor is just as sick, if not more so than Joe. Mm-hmm. It's like coughing, hacking up Which a Which is a, a great scene. That it is a, it is a great 70s health <laughs> scene where the doctor... <laughs> 
the doctor is clearly also a, if not a worse pack a day smoker, uh, you know, and he's giving, you know, giving him the patient pointers about the, how to cut back. So yeah, it's great. Uh, so then they're filming like this whole thing, like you can you can board L.A. and come off N.Y. or whatever they're doing, like their backward <laughs> crawl thing, and Dent's like, oh god, and I was like, you never been to rehearsal before, sweetie. We're going to do this a hundred times before we get to go home. I guess not, yeah. Yeah, and uh, Gideon's very upset with it. He walks out and goes to talk to his wife, Audrey, who's mm-hmm. rehearsing another show in a different rehearsal room. And this is probably my favorite scene. Yeah. Is, yeah. is this, She's doing is a great Audrey job thing. with the ladder. Like, this is me talking Dan down from his, uh, his Crisis, social yeah. climbs yeah, while dancing around him but on a ladder, straddling. You know? I, I just love how it's played because originally she's in there with the, the piano player yeah. and she's going through, you know, a, a number and, you know, because she's not old, but she's no. like, she's been dancing for a long time, so... She's like, oh, like, are you sure your like your legs can even handle this? At this, like, the piano player says mm-hmm. that, and then she clearly has trouble with one of her knees, like getting back up from one of the. But then the, she the reposes things. when Joe enters. Yeah, She's and then like, she, oh, I'm fine, yeah. and she maintains it like yeah. the entire time. She like, and she adds like all these flirty little moves into this thing as she's mm-hmm. like talking him through his. His whole uh, you know, breakdown crisis, thing because yeah. he's he's gonna cut the musical number. He hates it. It's garbage. It has to go. It's gonna drag the whole thing down. But then by the end of the conversation, she kind of like, I like I guess like re inspires him to keep it in, and yeah. she seems like to agree, and she seems rather pleased with herself that she just you know. And she's that also like, you're a cheater. Like you can't even remember the girl you slept with in yeah. Philadelphia's name. And he's like, oh, I called her Sugar. I called her Sweetheart. And like, she's like, no, her name is, oh my god. Dorothy. Dorothy, yeah. And she's like, I, I remember that, but you can't even be bothered to, yeah. you know. But then he leaves and compliments her number, like, it's great, don't cut it. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, oh, this man, <laughs> he drives me to drink! <laughs> and then the piano player is like, are we to cut it? And she's like, no. Yeah. No, because he likes it. Yeah. Yeah. Then we get the Vivaldi sequence number three. Um, and we get showing the musical to the team and backers scene. Yes. And I don't think Dan would back this musical, but that's just me. I mean... It's far too sassy. It, I mean, the the producers are clearly thrown off how this plain musical is very <laughs> sensual. Clutching my pearls, what's going on? Uh, they're gonna lose the... It's called erotica. Yeah, they're gonna... At that, I mean, that is good. But yeah. but they're going to lose the family market. Sinatra is not going to cover anything from... I said, oh playing. no, an even sexier reprise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, because it is literally, like, there's a Someone's standard... Someone's top is just off! Like, there's some kind of, like, musical number that plays into, like, we got bags of nuts and little bottles and of booze. And I got nuts and in my hand! And it's like that, but then it goes into just a, a, a like, an interpretive dance nude thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, which, which I, yeah. I, I don't know. Susan Ryan would that's walk out, maybe. the red-eye flight, yeah. I don't know, but that's what it goes yeah. into, so... I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Oh, so you wouldn't see L- uh, NYCLA? I would. Well, if you if you paid, maybe. If but Jessica I... Chastain maybe was featured. Oh in well, it, yeah, yes, as the main character yes, perhaps. But... Um, but yeah, it doesn't go over well with the producers, and they're worried about it. Um, Audrey, however, thinks this is his best work. And it's like, you son of a bitch. You didn't cast <laughs> well, me on this. And I was all, like, yes, all, yes, very that. All the producers are freaking out. And then she's got her head in her hands. Yeah. Like, it's the most beautiful, beautiful thing, thing I've, I've ever seen. seen. It's this, this erotic plane musical. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you son of a bitch. A rose is perfect. Why can't I do that? Uh, then we get back to the monologue uh, that 
Joe Gideon is trying to re-edit. Mm-hmm. As I said, it was supposed to be Dustin Hoffman uh, rewatching the stages of uh, stages of grief. You should be realizing that that's happening to you as well. Yeah, um, that you're going through all of that. So this could be like a whole post death thing for Joe, whatever. Mm-hmm. But spoilers, it doesn't end so well for Joe. And from these like comedy editing parts, there are probably because he's been sitting there and obsessing over them for so long. Uh, like they keep, you know, not only in these editing scenes, but eventually in his like flashes before death, he's hearing like specific jokes, like "Hey, mom, I'm yeah. toilet trained on this. Yeah. I don't need you anymore." And he, it, it keeps like the same things mm-hmm. that kind of have to do with like life and you know moving on to a next stage or dying or age. Yeah. Uh, but he he hones in on those specific jokes. Mm. Uh, so Joe still has doubts about oh, the monologue. Oh, 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 no, oh, I think to, to, to sorry to, to clarify, I think one of the jokes in the comedian stand-up is like a guy pleading his case uh, at like the gates of heaven because mm. he's like, oh, that that blonde lives downtown. Like, forget about it. You send me back, I'll never see her again. Like, he's, <laughs> so I, I would assume that one of the reasons Joe is fixated on that is because it's like, oh, okay, he's yeah. he's pleading for his soul. So. Yeah. Um, but Joe has doubts about those monologues, saying that it's shit, even though the screening is that same night. Mm-hmm. Apparently, though, he's gotten all well reviews going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, but before he hears about that, he's, like, with the other woman, being Anne Ranking, and his mm-hmm. daughter at his apartment. And they're, like, cooking dinner in a very cute scene. Yes. And, like, the daughter's more worldly. She's like, I've seen your old movies. I didn't get why the two ladies were kissing exactly. Like, I get that they were in love with each other. Yeah. But I didn't understand what it meant. And he's like, oh, well, you're too young to understand that, I guess. But then he agrees, like, yeah, I probably should have cut it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Joe is back home with Katie and Michelle, who perform a Star is Born extemporous number for mm-hmm. Joe. And I have to say, Dan, this is, like, the one thing that I want in my life. I want you all to choreograph this for me in some way. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to be like, oh, and Jonathan Bukowski is here tonight. Oh, and Hit Dan Ryan and Grandpa Roke. No, Grandpa Roke and Dan Ryan coming down the stairs with the top hats. And it would just send me. I don't think we have a staircase that size, but yeah. Yeah, yeah in your honor, <laughs> the stand-up, the flop. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they're having fun, and then we get, like, um, ele- elements of, jo- like, Joe's death. Like, he has this one sign, I forget what it says, it's like, a good time or whatever. Oh, wow. Oh, oh, wow, yeah. in the background, as, like, they're incorporating the elements into this. And it's a very stylized dance. Like, they took yeah. some time to work with it, and Joe is clearly appreciative of it. And I think it starts, as as we get closer to the end, I think the... The background people who appear in those visions are like they got white face paint on, so yeah, they look like they got the grease gaunt paint, yeah. and stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. And you think at first, oh, it's like a burlesque clown thing, but then it's like, oh no, they're they're like spirits or yeah. something. So yeah. So after that, we see Joe is experiencing joy, and we get the Vivaldi sequence number four. Joe is going through it, uh, and he's showing off like the new sets. And I said, this looks like an awful lot like the Chicago OG Broadway set. Mm-hmm. That might have been there at the exact same time. They're just showing off there. It would have been cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's a read-through, and we get the actor-director comment of, like, everyone's finding every joke hysterical, but mm-hmm. it's not really hysterical. Another great scene. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm gonna, One I will remember, because yeah. this is very well done. Yep. Yeah. It's not the point the sound, like, goes out as Joe is, like, taking a, a cigarette or whatever, not and, hearing like, what's going on around him. And you hear, you, like, you see the, like, the vapid laughter, and then sometimes, like, uh, like, Audrey 
says something, like, gives a comment on it, but within, like, I think it opens on the character leaving New York, and then the sound only cuts back in when she arrives in L.A. But the yeah. entire time, it's silent, he's, like, cracking his knuckles, he stands up and walks around and, like, you know, stretches against, because he's just flustered, he breaks pencils, mm. uh, he's just, like, not, yeah, something is off. Yeah, he's addled by it. Yeah, the whole thing. Um, But he does go through that and then suffers his first of many coronary events. Yes. um, Which I have to say is a direct correlate or a parallel. Sorry, correlate. Uh, That was an intentional pun. I would have bravo. Oh my gosh. Well, anyway, (laughs) it was a direct parallel event to Fosse himself who had suffered two heart attacks at this point in his life. Right. And it was just mainly from stress and everything. And I guess the cigarettes didn't help. You can't give up the smokes. People were asking him, like, you need to slow down on the cigarettes. And he's like, I'm only down to five packs a day. Yeah. Yeah. Yikes. Which is how smoker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how it goes. Yeah. So we find out at that point that Joe has angina going on in his yeah. heart. Yeah. yeah. It's not very good at that, but... Uh, um, uh they're the producers are scrambling it's like joe is sick we need someone to take over the show at this point yeah because otherwise they would risk having to just close the production it's like okay we're like you know he needs at least i what was it four months yeah or six months i think yeah Yeah. like recovery time and the same thing happened to like his last musical sweet charity okay he had a heart attack he had a pass like he had to rest mm-hmm. and people were like oh sweet charity premiered in new york but it, it's due to be in la for like the previews or whatever mm-hmm. and the whole thing fell apart even though it was like a good musical but uh, i'll have to look into that yeah uh, for and further rest. you should yeah. watch fossey verdon the exact same thing happens and you see it, michelle williams clutch her face in, <laughs> in such an <laughs> iconic way just the hand gestures dan but but yeah, and it's like... You oh, know, four months is correct, sorry. The yeah, producers, yeah. uh, including their money man, who I think is the mayor from Ghostbusters 2, mm. are like, you know, you're all family to us, but we're not we're not going to pay you, uh, you know, if the show isn't open yet. Like, we'll help you find something to do, but we're not going to, uh, you know, spend money on it. So no. it's like all of the... Everything's no. in jeopardy. And then, yeah. as is, when one musical is flubbing, we have to find someone to take over mm-hmm. as a director, and they find John Lithgow. They do. <laughs> Young John Lithgow. What a what a coincidence with something that we watched, but we can't talk about yet. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But cannot eventually we will, yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we shall not promote. But uh, John Lithgow is there as Lucas Sargent, mm-hmm. another director who's in competition, especially with Joe Gideon. Yeah, this is supposed to be the Hal Prince equivalent, who... In my opinion, I love the How Prince productions more. Mm-hmm. He's definitely more Team Sondheim. Uh, he was responsible for the original Phantom of the Opera set, okay, as well, like producer on that. So, so it's it's not it's like- a big budget producer. Even though they showed John Lithgow like um, an off Broadway theater with like a bed on stage doing the lighting for that. Okay, that that makes sense because yeah. the, the movie presents it as like a Salieri Amadeus yeah. thing. So yeah. it's, it's I it's I don't not... think it would be that toxic in the theater yeah. community for them at least because they're making all the money. But of that's course. supposed to be the equivalent that's going on there. Um, so then, uh, Angina stay and get better. Keep on working. I love that. Like, um, and rankings, like let's put on a show for him. And the piano player gets into it. Like, Oh, we're going to give him a, a musical number to send him off. Keep playing. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like it's the toxicity of the event that's going on there. It's like yeah, the, the veneer behind the curtain. I Everyone's think, like, we're out of a job. 
what the fuck? Yeah, and and you can even because I think that's uh, that's Audrey who does that, and mm-hmm. she like she like the the actress. It might be Audrey, yeah. Played yes. it perfectly. Yeah. She's like visibly about to start crying, yeah. and then she. But he's been doing well. And then it cuts to her weeping as he's like unconscious on a respirator mm-hmm. in the in the hospital bed. So yeah. I said yeah. Uh, breaking the tension with a new hospital number that I just composed. Yeah, yeah. Dan oh. Ryan's dead. Yo, <laughs> <laughs> Dan Ryan's died. <laughs> Keep playing, Grant. <laughs> my spirit's not gonna know any rest i'm taking yeah. you down with me so. uh but the veneering oh, dan as we discussed before i'm going before you so come on uh the veneer grease yeah. paint is peeling I, yeah, but then but then, but then well, are we gonna get into this dan i'm then, going before you no matter how, what how are they gonna show you old and like in a nunnery and you're, you're like gonna counting everything you're gonna have to make up my story <laughs> all ever after you're like jonathan was a great person actually and lie dad come on all right i can do that I'm we've just discussed saying. this write it, it down you know i assumed it would be elderly you <laughs> recounting you know while i haunt you at night like you're not telling it right dan <laughs> okay no that's true that yeah. could work i could work with that yeah yeah uh lucas sergeant john lithgow brought on for some more money possibly stepping in as director uh joe is still smoking in his hospital and partying and we get this whole um kind of montage, montage yeah. of him like going like <laughs> Through sex, drugs. Oh, Mr. Gideon! He's he's smoking. He's still. goosing nurses. He's, he's hiding liquor in like the hospital plants. Yeah. He's like fondling the nurses. He's he's not stopping at all. He's like dancing around in the hotel, like the not the hotel room, hospital room. Yeah. It um, feels like a hotel room. Let me tell you that. And the doctors are like, "All right, you gotta cut it out." Yeah. But then it just cuts back to him, you know, getting worse. I found this cigarette in another room. I I just said you gotta stop smoking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So it's <laughs> Mr. Giddy, <laughs> and we know where this is going. So, oh, and then notably the the star of uh, mm-hmm. the stand-up movie, yeah. is there visiting with? Oh him. yeah, and like giving like a Dustin Hoffman like dropping f slurs. It's a little bit later, but it's there in my notes. But yeah, and he well, it he's does like, happen. He keeps like making like snide but friendly-ish remarks yeah. to him, and then Joe is like, right. Gotcha. Yeah, like, and not confronting yeah. his own issues. He's yeah. just kind of deadpan in that. And then we see, like, the Ben Vereen character. Like, obviously an actor that Joe gave his star quality that's on TV now. Mm-hmm. is like, oh, my best friend Joe Gideon's in the hospital. Let's, like, give him good vibes mm-hmm. and send him over there. And we see that uh, Anne Ranking's character is there and is, like, has rehearsed the whole thing. Like, giving him the script to say yeah. about Joe Gideon. Um, and, you know, we get the hard F slur from, like, whatever... And Dr. Ballinger told me to get a little exercise. That's why I'm fucking around right now. And he doesn't care if he lives or dies. Notably, he's fucking the woman from the editing company. You you noticed that, didn't you? You saw that one blonde and you said, I know her. So it's like there's no one in his circle who he's not, you know, fooling around with like that. All right. So then Joe seemingly is getting better. He's on his feet again. Mm -hmm. And Joe's stand-up film is getting rave reviews across the board. Mm -hmm. However, as we often do on this podcast, (laughs) there's one bad reviewer in Dan. You've got to take this away, baby. You've got to describe the scene. Because I was like, this is an iconic scene for us. There is a very stern It's like Barbara... It's Barbara Walters. It is... (laughs) It's like a more serious Barbara Walters, uh, very stern-faced, like, movie critic lady, uh, who apparently, at, like, the, the critic screening, had, you know, praised it, and be like, oh, well, I'll give this a good review. Mm-hmm. But then on her show, 
balloon review, whatever it is. For balloons, top review. She's like the you know the 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 direction is where this falls apart. I wish I could say that it was another great from Gideon, but I cannot. Uh, and you know he he lets his main actor deliver an amazing performance, but does not direct or edit yeah. the monologue correctly. Uh, ruining it. Mm. Uh, so I must give this one half balloon out of four balloons. <laughs> and that sends Joe over the edge. He has another coronary He's event. Like, Get the he has doctor. a fucking heart attack. <laughs> Which, uh, with that one star, exactly what happened to me, yeah. Dan. But yeah. I lived, well, bitch. Half I a lived. star even, so. Yeah, yeah. I know. Because uh, I was loud at a bar. Come on. <laughs> Can I not be loud at a bar? I would have bought you a drink if you would have came up and been like, shut the fuck up. But it does, it, it induces a second pulmonary event. Uh, for oh him, which God. is much more serious this time. A Coriolanus event, as I would describe it. Yes. <laughs> um, but here we go, blending theater and life once again, and I love the Brechtian nature. We're going to get to this down the line, not in my next one, but definitely in one of the succeeding good movie picks, mm-hmm. whereas like Brecht shows the theater elements happening at the same time real life is happening. Mm-hmm. So, Bertel Brecht. Love that. German theater. Of course. It's it's in my mind. I have a plan. I have a web that I'm spinning. Huh? Yeah. For you, Dan Ryan. Um, but uh, we get the doctor comedic act. It's like, one day Joe went to the doctors. Boop, boop, boop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's having a bad heart attack. <laughs> yeah, and it's. Yeah. I, th- I think it's hosted by the the wife character in that in that part. Well, it's and, the and same it, way when he was sleeping with two women. It was yeah. like very cabaret. It's like, and then one left me. Was the letter to you? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but but then it's, yeah, so it's like all the, the doctors from real life are there and... It's not looking good for yeah. Joe. <laughs> uh, before coronary bypass surgery, Joe is remembering small details. He's talking with Katie. He's like, did you remember like last week uh, on Friday it rained at Port Hard? And Katie's mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, I remember that. But clearly she doesn't. Because she's, she's like moving on. Like, you know, yeah. a little bit. She loves him, but well, he's not doing so hot, Mr. And Stark. <laughs> and he goes like, oh, I called you at midnight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I must have been walking talk. the dog. And he's like, nah, you were... You were with somebody. Mm. And he's not even necessarily mad about it. No. He's just like, like, yeah, it makes sense. She's with she's with someone else. Yeah. And then I think immediately from that, when he's talking to Jessica Lang, he's like, yeah, I told her that I love her and I yeah. need her. But yeah. I don't know why I said that. Maybe to make her happy. Mm-hmm. I didn't care. Really, I didn't mean but it. It's, but yeah, maybe it's, he did mean it. Or it could have been out of spite to like make her feel bad yeah. in that second. But then he's like, yeah, I don't know why I, I said that. Yeah, so. but then also on his way to surgery, he apologizes for like everything. He's like, I'm sorry I acted that way. Yeah, he apologizes to the wife. Like, I'm sorry yeah. for everything I, I did to you. And then he turns to, uh, uh, oh, God. Katie. Katie, and is yeah. like, I apologize to everything I would have or will do to you. Yeah. Uh, you know, so that's as he's going in, in case. But ultimately, it's it's a hallucination. Neither of them are there for him yeah. getting brought in. And then, like, he's doing surgery, and the backers are talking about money this entire scene. We mm-hmm. get Wallace Shawn, mm-hmm. and, like, a producer's Mel... <laughs> Mel... Oh my god, why can't I remember? Brooks? Mel Brooks. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say Mel Gibson. <laughs> different, no. Different Mel. <laughs> Sorry about that, but... Mel Brooks is like, you can make more money with a flop than you can with a hit. Fact. Yeah, like they're they're calculating it. They're calculating how much of the budget has already been spent on like the actual resources and stuff for the musical. Um, so if Joe were to die right now, like during surgery or something, they would be able to recoup. And they're all like, hmm. like that could be, be okay <laughs> that with could that. Be good. Yeah. <laughs> 
but then Joe is talking to himself in the hospital bed. And, like, this whole sequence that occurs is, like, how I want to go. Like, mm-hmm. I, I imagine I... I mean, it's going to be painful. It's going to be hard. But yeah. I need a whole musical number to send me out from, like, the people that I've loved and known before mm-hmm. in that. And, I mean, there's a lot of discussion here. But, um... So, he's dying in this hospital bed. He's getting, like, open-heart surgery at this point. Mm-hmm. And we see that... Well, it, a double bypass. He's a, getting, yeah, a, a, a very bu- serious... Yeah, 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 yeah. A double bypass, very ser- serious heart surgery going on. And we see, like, it transitions to, like, the actual sets of all that jazz. Mm-hmm. With, like, Roy Schneider's character filming, mm-hmm. at the same time dying in the hospital bed. As our other characters are putting on this last musical number as if they're part of the movie. Yeah, and, and that's and something I love in film. In graphic detail, like, you see into his open chest cavity as, like, they're they're cutting and sewing, and then it cuts back and forth between that and the fantasy. It's, you know. Yeah. It's so we excellent. get, like, the first number with, like, end ranking after you've gone. Mm-hmm. It's like, after you've gone, I won't remember you, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I'll be going on without you. And they're all doing, like, classic Fosse moves during this, while yeah. Fosse is watching from his hospital bed and giving commentary as a director. Like, you have no lines here. And basically all... You need to say something here. All of the significant and insignificant women in his life get... Yeah. You better change. You better change. Yeah. You're not doing so good. Like, the wife is first, and then uh, Katie, and yeah. then then all of the women he forgot. Yep. Who, you know... Yep. I you had it old coming. friends, old friends, yeah, yeah, and and then uh, his daughter, who that is a beautiful moment because mm-hmm. it's like she's very clearly you know, uncomfortable. uncomfortable. Well, she's uncomfortable. Yeah. She's in this tight dress, like walking down this ramp, like playing a vamp character when she's twelve years it's old, just like singing yeah. like you would if you told a kid to just sing on something. Because it's yeah, she's a daughter about to lose her father, and that yeah. like you know, and even in his own mind, he's probably having trouble processing or reckoning that so Mm. very well done yeah yeah but i i do like it how it goes through all the women in his life at this point i love how the daughter like gets like a starring role i like how each one feels a little bit different yeah and you can clearly tell he doesn't want to die like he wants to solve his business with all the women in his life yes but I, I don't know, it's something gets me about, like, it's like, don't die, Dan, don't die! <laughs> like, yeah. I'll be back for you! Like, yeah. you gotta you gotta change your ways! Well, and I would argue it's one of those things that kind of, you can't really tell if he's, like, being, like, um... Facetious, lying. But yeah. then, as the those musical numbers keep going, he's, like, very much, I don't want to die. Okay. I have, I want to yeah. live. Unfinished business. Yeah. And Angelique is, like, saying that to him, too, at the same time. Jessica well, Lange is, is yeah. there during it. Like. But, but she's like, mm, well, d- you're here, and, you know... Mm. Is, is there any, like, the angel of death obviously knows what's going to happen, and she's kind of, like, humoring him, but, you know, she knows what his ultimate fate is going to be very soon, so. Yeah. Um, but Angelique does not take him, Joe's alive, two months clearance to work, um, Lucas giving us some rewrites to the script. Mm-hmm. Is going on like, oh, he hands like this whole portfolio there. And we get this iconic scene where they're having lunch at Sardi's or whatever. Mm-hmm. And this one woman comes up and is like, oh, Mr. Lucas. Like, I'm such a big fan. Not as big a fan as Joe Gideon. Yeah. But I'm sorry your last thing flopped. But yeah. can you sign this thing for me? And, and he doesn't disgruntling. Yeah. Like, it, it was funny. It was cute. Demand- but, but, but on the thing of the notes, like he provided like a whole separate book of notes and suggestions like showing that he thought he was going to get yeah. this job and he was banking on it yeah. probably 
And then the one scene that doesn't stick well with me, it's like we get this one nurse Mm -hmm. that's like, oh, you know, I gave Joe his medicine. He shouldn't be suffering at that point. Mm -hmm. But he obviously is. He's like having another coronary event going on. And either Katie or Audrey, I forget which one's there. I think it might be Katie. Mm -hmm. It's like, you bitch. Like, you didn't give him the medicine that he needed. Like, she's clearly grieving. Uh, Yeah, yeah. But, you know, Joe's not doing so well. He's dying. He's having another event here. And they the, the, they the surgery didn't stick. Yeah, they like they bring him in. I think there's like some passing jokes, like, "Oh, you're really testing out the equipment mm-hmm. here." That's Joe, a great scar, Joe. But then it's it's kind of like something is not taken with the surgery, and he even says like, "There's something wrong inside me. Like something is broken or snapped yeah. or something." And it's, it's so yeah. Joe's on the lamb. Mm-hmm. He's gotten up in the hospital. He's wandering through the different hospital things, going down to the boiler room where apparently it's drenched in water, and he's doing like a singing in the rain parody. Yeah, he's like dancing, going on here, to yeah. him, like talking to himself. Yeah, um, he meets an older woman that's dying and like comforts her in her last moment. And is like, "Did you know that you're actually beautiful?" Very Barbie of him. Yeah, giving guess, her, yeah. like, comfort. Yeah. He, he like, gives himself, like, a grievous head injury, like, slams his head into yeah. the wall and just keeps walking through yeah. the hallways and, and like, everything. And, pleads to God, like, God, don't take me, don't, aren't you a fan of musical comedy? Yeah, and, and you said no, but... <laughs> the, God wouldn't be, no. But then, like, so. and then just going into, I don't know, like, the, the depressing, or... I don't know, like... Well, he meets, like, the an reality order- of it. Well, he meets an orderly, and the orderly, like, knows all his old songs and is, like, singing smile, smile, smile. Yeah, no, uh, that's what I meant. Like, the yeah. Stark, because then there's, like, two other, like, security guys who are told to go, oh, the the, the director, choreographer guy is missing, go yeah. find him. <laughs> go and they're find like, the oh, fuck, this was our break, like, we yeah. gotta go find this, let's do it, whatever, mm-hmm. hope this doesn't take too long, and then, you know, and that's, this is approaching joe's end yeah so. so after he's found after he's gone he gets this whole variety show moment mm-hmm. and you've got to describe it dan what what happens in this variety show moment we've got a lot going on we've got a silver lame curtain we've got people dressed as hearts yeah, well he's on his friend's show yeah um and very colorful uh you know uh clash of, what not clash of the planets star crash mm. background to it uh, two all, dancers the, all his lifely friends are there in the audience yep. uh two dancers dressed as like hearts and veins mm-hmm. and such are there and uh, arteries and ventricles Dan. Arter- arteries and ventricles yeah sorry and are are kind of dancing around him and we get like what i interpreted as like little shock moments that are probably supposed to be the paddles hitting him yeah like there's moments where yeah. the two dancers are like contorting and, and there's, there's people beeping. like deadpan in the audience to yeah too yeah like a lot of like ghoulish faces behind the surgical masks a lot of like beeping that cuts in like overpowers the musical track mm-hmm. like because it's the medical equipment going off mm-hmm. um and he You'll have to... What is the song that is... Bye Bye Love, Bye Bye Happiness, I Think I'm Gonna Die. And he he goes through the audience, and he, like, says some form of goodbye to everyone. Like, uh, Katie, he gives his blessing to, because she's with the new man. Yep. Yep. Uh, He sees Audrey, he sees his daughter again. He gives bye to, like, some of his past lovers. He says girls, yeah. The producers, who are, like, sitting there, like, He hands it off to John Lithgow that had, like, a a very... um, stony handshake with one another yeah yeah and then and then i th- I think he hugs the daughter last though yeah. and then he turns to audrey and he's like well at least i don't have to lie to you anymore mm-hmm. so yeah mm-hmm. and he he goes back on stage and yeah. finishes his number and then is zipped up in a body bag 
And he, well, first he's on a moving hallway approaching oh, Jessica yeah, Lang. Yeah. So Angelique. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's presumably, and it, the like the, everything starts to get blurry as he's approaching her. And he's like kind of smiling, kind of freaked out, but he, he's, he is dead. Yeah. None of us have a say in that. And he moves literally down the tunnel into the light mm-hmm. where Jessica Lang is waiting. Yeah. As we all want to go. Yeah. And then zipped into... Zipped into the body bag. Yeah. And that's the end of all that jazz, Dan. Yeah. We did that. Um, any final thoughts on this film? I liked this film a great deal. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of... Like, but what about stuff. the sharks in Amity? Well, that's where he's gonna go. He's gonna. That's where he's gonna go. <laughs> check be out next. next. Yeah, he's gonna go we'll reincarnated see him next in, the, in the new life. And then uh, John Lithgow's character gets reincarnated as the shark, and then that's Ooh. everything fits in. Yep, yep, um, yep. Yeah. But no, a lot I'm going to remember about this is just a visually stunning movie. It doesn't really have any, even for something that's like semi autobiographical, it doesn't have any slow moments. Mm-hmm. Like it goes through like, the frantic nature of this guy's life from start to finish. It's mm-hmm. not, like... Nothing is wasted. Um, literally, because you, you do always press me for what I would give as, like, a critique or, yeah. like, a warning, yeah. maybe? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that I feel like, even if this was one of the... This movie was probably one of the earliest and best examples to do, of doing something like this, I feel like there have been a lot of movies and shows that have done, like person's death as musical movie or tv show thing. oh and we'll we'll get to that yeah then. yeah so i That's would start in a trend so if you were like inundated with because that that was literally the only kind of like ping that went off in my head was like okay i've seen this trope done oh, a thousand times we'll see it done earlier and later yeah so but it's like you know this by itself is like an impressive use of that but i i just think that, i don't know maybe maybe if someone has seen a lot of biographies and things like that mm-hmm. or you know fictionalized biographies or whatever mm-hmm. it's going to be a very very familiar like oh time to die gonna yeah. get a musical number thing and it's but this uh, this i would assume i again without knowing anything i would assume was innovative Oh yeah, on a lot of aspects yeah, of that. Definitely so. calling back to some things that I'm going to reference on this podcast, especially mm-hmm. good movie. My next pick is going to call this directly. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a predecessor to this film, um, as I'll mention, and then I've got that partnered with the Sinister Six pick as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be showing the duality of good and bad retellings of this story. Of course, yeah, angle ways. and devil. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the dark Jonathan arc. I got to hold tight to it mm-hmm. <laughs> um but uh yeah i thoroughly enjoy this movie i'm glad that i brought it to you i'm glad mm-hmm. i got to share it with someone else and i'm glad you enjoyed it of course um, i i don't think i'm gonna die in fact tonight i think i'm gonna live on yeah through yeah. our sinister six our good movies and our enemy was honest mistake episodes your, your blood's not completely pasta sauce yet you're not, fine not yeah. yet i still got some time mine is not cheese we got we yeah. got some time we got it some left time left, us. left to yeah. do that but uh before we go dan uh, well i guess i should give where i'm going on social media mm-hmm. before you give the tease off mm-hmm. but uh help me through this uh jonathan kwiatkowski at losing my <laughs> mind jk on instagram and x Yes. No, yes. drink drink and read on X. Instagram and... Oh, I don't even fucking remember. TikTok. Just drink and read JK. Losing my mind, JK. Mm-hmm. Search them up in some forms. I've got other podcasts, too, including Nightcaps at the Theater and uh, um, uh, Drink and Read the Podcast. Yes. On most of the things. Just type it in. You'll find me somewhere. That you will. Yeah. Um, and I, you, can, you can find me at King underscore Danis on 
Instagram, uh, X, and Threads. Um, I I was on vacation more or less for the past week, but I'm hard at work on a lot more art that mm-hmm. will be coming soon. Um, but now to next week. Yes. So when this episode is being recorded... We're only uh, two weeks ahead at this point. Yes. Yeah. And we are a week away from Halloween at this point juncture yes um but we have like three months of halloween content planned (laughs) Planned, so uh you know this this is a tease that is is coming to you from the past from the pre from before halloween yes but we hope that it finds you in a spooky spot time in in your life before christmas at some point yes so uh i next week will be starting off our little horror movie uh aside oh you will journey you yeah uh, with a movie that is... You sure you didn't bring it to the podcast before? Or? I did not. I checked. Interesting. By, you know, that, that knowledge mm. wasn't forced out by Pokemon Scarlet and Violet stuff mm. yet, so... Yeah. Um, but this is a favorite of mine. Uh, you know, I, I kind of debated back and forth between some more critically acclaimed stuff. Mm. That's probably going to be safe for Good Movie Podcast. But I'm thinking it's it's Halloween... This is one of my all-time favorite Halloween season movies, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't hear people talk about it very often. Okay. Uh, it's not, I, like, even most of our internet shows never seem to mention this movie, mm-hmm. probably because it's a lot more, It's like, Scary recent. Godmother. It's not Scary Godmother. Uh, I, we, rats. We, we would both have I to know turn what to that pick key then. Yeah, to, yeah, to yeah. do that. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think it's, it's going to be... Probably not so much scary, but more or less exciting and maybe even a little funny, hmm. uh, while definitely borrowing a lot of the visual stuff that you would come to know and love from Halloween. Uh, but this is a movie coming up next week that is really going to have you asking yourself, what's your number? And I hmm. don't mean the terrible, uh, you know, uh, Chris Evans romantic comedy, but that could be in the future too. Oh, I think Ooh. it could be anything, but I have many ideas on what it could be. Yeah, you might, you might. Yeah. Yeah. But who knows? <laughs> who boo? <laughs> All right, where's my cigarettes? Uh... What's better than a bad movie? Well, sometimes a good movie, of course. And here on Good Movie Podcast, Dan, Jonathan, and maybe even a couple of guests talk about the movies that made them. Think of this as a, once in a while, more casual discussion on the details and nuances of films we love. And more of an after-movie chat with Nicole Kidman in the AMC ad. That's the kind of vibe we're going for here. As always, the Anime Was Not a Mistake family appreciates the loyal listeners like you. Thank you. If you want to join the conversation, feel free to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Anime Was Not a Mistake or our personal social media accounts that we mention at the end of the episode. With that, we'll let the music play us out. Thanks as always, and remember to ask yourself, what makes a good movie good? <laughs>